Welcome to day 171 of uh, Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture, and the drama takes us to a low place in David's life as we come to the end of uh, 2 Samuel. Uh, David's sin has uh, had great consequences to him personally, but even uh, more than that, the anguish of seeing his family fall apart, uh, a reflection of his own character and his own heart, and, and of course maybe even a reflection of his lack of attention you know, to, you know, to his, his family. And it is sad to see, you know, a man who uh, started off so well and, you know, so, so poorly. And so when we come to Second uh, Samuel chapter 24, there's been a lot of intrigue, you know, uh, in the palace, you know, from the last time we left you, sometimes David taking vengeance on his enemies, sometimes singing great psalms of praise. Uh, we, we come to a fatal mistake that David makes that, uh, uh, God redeems uh, as uh, as as a hope for you know, for us all. So I'm Paul Kemp. I'm here with uh, Cindy Kemp and David Keefe and Matt Kresge. And uh, before we uh, before we continue to read uh, in Second Samuel, let's offer ourselves in the moment to the Lord. Father, you're good and a gracious God. We read uh, the story of David and we delighted in his young years as he uh, took on the, the giant and trusted in you as a man after your own heart. Uh, thank you for all of the beauty of that. We were somewhat, you know, somewhat uh, a, a little melancholy, you know, to see how his, his life ended. And we pray, Father, as we read that you would teach us what you would have to teach us as a cautionary tale, but also as a tale of encouragement that it's not our faithfulness that commends us before you, but your faithfulness. And we do ask that you would produce in us, because of who you are for your glory and for our joy, a heart of faithfulness to you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Second Samuel 24. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, Go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and roll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king want to do such a thing? The king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders, so they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. After crossing the Jordan, they camped near Aor, in the south of the town, in the gorge, and they went through Gad and on to Jezer. And then they went to Gilead, to Gilead in the region of Tatim Hodishah, and then on to Dan and Joan, and around uh, toward Sidon. Then they went toward the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Finally, they went on to Beersheba in the Negev of Judah. And they had gone through the entire land. They came back to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Joab reported the number of fighting men to the king. In Israel were over 800,000 able men who could handle a sword, and in Judah, 500,000 men. David was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I've done a very foolish thing. Before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord had come to Gad, the prophet, David's seer. Go and tell David this is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, Shall, <laughs> shall there come on you three years 
a famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while ever while they pursue you, or three months of plague in your land. Now then think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but do not let me fall into the human hands, into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated, and 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, Enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Arnau, the Jebusite. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I have sinned, I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are sheep. What have they done? Let your hand follow me and on my family. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arnua, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Arnua looked and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Arnua said, Why has the Lord my king come to his servant to buy the threshing floor? David answered, So I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arnua said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are the threshing fledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Arnua, gives all this to the king. Arnua also said to him, May the lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Arnua, No, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the lord my God offerings that cost me nothing. So David brought the fleshing for the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague of Israel was stopped. Interesting, uh, interesting story. Uh, the story's told twice. It's told in, in, in uh, you know, Kings and Chronicles. And of course, the, the difference in, in the two is in a Kings, you know, uh, we're told that the Lord incites David to take a census. And in Chronicles, we're told that Satan or the, the accuser incites, you know, David uh, not, uh, to take a census. So, so which is it, Matt? Was it Satan or was it the <laughs> Lord who, 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 who did the inciting? Both. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's uh, obviously, you know, uh, Satan, Satan has boundaries that are set around him. You know, by the Lord, he can go no further, and the Lord is far more powerful than ever once. Has, has Satan won a decisive victory over, over the Lord, and and so you have in in this sense the sovereignty of uh, the sovereignty of the Lord, allowing Satan, uh, you know, this moment, David allowing Satan this moment, and uh, him inciting inciting that the Lord does not tempt us. You know, James tells us, nor can he be tempted by evil. Uh, but he does uh, he does allow temptations in our life, which are testing, and this testing is one that David failed and, and failed miserably. And we don't even really know why. You know, on other occasions, you know, God is commanding people to count the troops. In, in this particular occasion, not only is David cautious to do this, but also Joab is cautious to do it. And uh, Job is probably seeing in David, you know, that uh, his eyes are on the expansiveness of his kingdom and on his power, and so his focus is in the wrong place rather than being humbled before the Lord. So even Joab, who is not normally sensitive, you know, to the things of God, is saying, 
whatever we do. I mean, yeah. I, I hope our armies spread out and spread out and spread out, but let's do not count them. You know, let's not put our confidence, mm-hmm. you know, in the power of men or the or the vastness of our kingdom or the power, you know, that you have to command, uh, you know, at your at your fingertips. Yeah, I've seen people comment on this and kind of ask the question, you know, why why here? What's wrong with the census here? Especially because in other places you see census taken no, and right. they're completely fine. And sometimes counting is okay. Yeah, and, Even commanded. Yeah, and, you know, I think you're exactly right. It's not so much that David's just taking a census of the people, but he's looking at the expansiveness of his kingdom and, mm-hmm. and the power and, you know, the control that comes with, well, we got a big army. Mm-hmm. You know, so our confidence is, is shifted from the Lord, you know, to to themselves. And, and even just how quick, it, well, it didn't take, it wasn't quick. The census wasn't quick, you know, nine months Nine later, months of yeah, yeah, counting. Crazy. Yeah, but, counting. you know, as soon as he receives the report, I, I think he realizes, oh, no, my confidence yeah. has been in the wrong place. Yeah, that's, and he yeah, there's probably two things that went through his mind. Wow, those are some good numbers. Gosh, <laughs> I shouldn't have my eyes on the numbers. Yeah. I'm just glad we don't mm-hmm. count things today and put our confidence in them. Like, I'm glad this is like an Old <laughs> Testament right. thing. Yeah, actually, I am not going to count my bank account today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah now how often do we yeah. put our trust in, in something so fleeting and, and something so silly at times um, when our trust should obviously be in as we were talking about this the no sovereign doubt. god do know? we look around at ourselves and, and um, evaluate ourselves by the expansiveness of our kingdom uh, rather than by uh, the king who reigns over all and you do have to appreciate the fact that um i guess when the number of the report came in that david was immediately conscious stricken and then cried out to the Lord and confessed that he had sinned greatly in what he had done and begged him to take away the guilt because um, he had done a very foolish thing, but he had understood. And this is another instance, even though um, even though David has spared the ultimate punishment, he's not spared the consequences. Right. And the consequences are, you know, God's judgment either at you know the hands of a, a famine or at the hands of, you know, uh, his enemies or at the hands of a a plague and it can either be you know short three years or three months or you know three days and of course david chooses the three days you know that that you know that sounds good three days it you know what live. harm can they do <laughs> but we we deeply underestimate you know the judgment you know the you of god and, mm-hmm. and and the wrath of god we see too i think it's one of the things matter of fact better to fall to human enemies than to yeah, you know, to fall in the hands of a, to fall under God's judgment. Yeah, we we see that tension in the text where we've been hoping for this mediator, this savior, this this king, you know, someone that can go in mm-hmm. between, and and we've seen David's not the one, and even right before this, you know, as we're kind of coming to the end of David's life, and it's mm-hmm. it's recounting the mighty men and the warriors and you know his troops you still get Uriah the Hittite right before this account, just kind of a note, you know, just let's remind you of. Yes, some of David's story, um, but even here, when David realizes, you know, the Lord is bringing His judgment down upon David's sin, and David sees the angel who was striking down the people. He said to the Lord, "I have sinned. I, I the shepherd, have done wrong. But these are, you know, these are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family." Mm-hmm. We just see him. He's he's not the one. He he can't be the the mediator we need. Although he, you know, God gives us an imperfect mediator in this moment yeah. to point us towards that need of one who, who can say, you know, let the judgment fall upon me, mm-hmm. and, and because I can give them you know, exactly what Jesus does, you know, he who knew yeah. us and became sin so that we might become the righteous yeah. God. His life for us. 
And you, you do you do see you know some of the heart of the Savior. Let it be me and not the sheep. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and that is uh, you know, beautiful, beautifully but very imperfectly reflected. Uh, and obviously, you know, he could have uh, taken that punishment for him and his family by saying, "Just put us in the hands of our enemies," yeah. you know, rather than to. And, and ironically, what you know, God has done. What is, you know, David's initial sin is looking at his numbers, and then God has reduced his numbers, mm-hmm. you know, quickly, reminding you know that the prosperity is in the hands of the Lord, not in the you know power of the king. Mm-hmm. And kind of almost dovetailing what you know Matt just said about. Um, even Christ our Savior, later on when he is going to make the sacrifice and it's kind of more or less offered to him, the the oxen and the wood and even the threshing floor, he says, no, I insist on paying it for it, for I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And I feel like, again, that's a picture of Jesus. I mean, it cost him everything, and so he was willing no, to make that's, that's a picture the of ultimate the sacrifice, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. that God offered, one that cost him his, his, his only son, right. uh, which is a, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful picture. And of course, you know, historically speaking, you know, this threshing floor would be the foundation yeah. for the temple. And of course, in Jewish tradition, it's also uh, the very place or the very mountain uh, where Abraham uh, was called uh, you know, to sacrifice his son Isaac. And God stayed his hand, and of course, the promises that uh, God would one day, you know, that God would provide the sacrifice. And it won't be on this threshold, it'd be just down the hill from this, where mm-hmm. the ultimate sacrifice, you know, is offered in the person of Jesus, the costly sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Well, Cindy, in light of the beauty of this, why don't you close us <laughs> word of prayer? Father, just thank you for um, what is the beauty of your word this this day um, that you have provided the greatest sacrifice um, you have given all your your son that we might have a relationship with you. So, Father, we we know that um, human beings cannot do this. David was not able to do this; that he had failed, but there was one who could, and we thank you for that. And uh, May we rejoice in that in this day, knowing that where we constantly fall short, that you have filled all that gap on our behalf because you have loved us and cared for us. And it's uh, in your son's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.